Hi, welcome back to the Worthy of Sea podcast. This is Chip Stewart. It's Saturday, May 20th, 2023, and this is part two of Freedom in Christ. I decided to cut off uh, the last one and divide it into uh, to two sections. So in, uh, in episode one, or in part one, um, we read through um, part of John chapter eight, um, where Jesus says things like, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And, um, and that's the basis for um, this discussion about freedom in Christ. What, what does that exactly mean, and what doesn't it mean? So last, uh, last time in part one, we talked about what does it mean. So we read through that, and we also read through Romans chapters 6, 7, and 8. And, uh, and then, if you'll indulge me for a moment, I'll go back through very briefly what, um, what we are free from and what we're free to do. So as you'll recall uh, from part one, we're free from God's judgment against unbelievers, basically known as a great white throne judgment. And we're also free from God's wrath. We are free from death. We're free from having Satan as our father. We're free from having to conform to the world system, who Satan is in charge of. We're free from being a slave to sin and having to practice sin. So any sin that we commit is, is really um, our choice at this point. And when we refer to our chains being gone, and we sing about this, I, I think of these chains of slavery to sin and to, and to having Satan as our father that those are the chains that have been we've been released from that Christ has taken away from us, and uh, and then we're free to know the truth. Once we're we're set free from um, those chains of sin and Satan, we're free to know the truth, and Jesus is the truth. If you'll recall, um, we're free from being under the law, and then we're also free to do God's will, to be righteous, to to obey God. Um, we're also free to worship, glorify, and thank our Lord in heaven. And then we're free from having to worry, be anxious, be fearful. And also, the, the last example that I used was we're free from not having to seek vengeance. And instead, we can love our enemies, do good, and, uh, and love our neighbor. And, um, you know, these two about we're free... Um, to do God's will, to worship, glorify, and thank God. That's, you know, when you think, when you look back at how uh, the law can be summarized into two things, love God and love your neighbor, this is touching on, on those points. The first one being love God and then, you know, not having to seek vengeance, that, that um, talks to loving our neighbor, okay? So those were the things that God has set us free from and, and now we are free to do because of what Christ has done for us on the cross. So what are we not free from? What are maybe some misunderstandings that, that are out there? Um, because we're, we're not free from everything or free to do everything that we want. That's not what this freedom means. So um, one of the first things I, I like to call out here is we're not free from suffering and we're not free from persecution. When we turn to Romans chapter 5, verse 3, it says here, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured, poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. So God knows that we are suffering for his namesake. You know, he allows it to happen. And this suffering that, that we 
we go through, it produces endurance, and then the endurance produces character, which then produces hope. And the hope does not put us to shame. This is because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who resides within us. We've been given the Holy Spirit when we were saved. And this is a great comfort for us, and, and the Holy Spirit helps us to be righteous, to reject sinning, all these sorts of things. Help us understand um, His Word, okay? But that's suffering. We, we will suffer. We will continue to suffer in this life. And then when we turn to 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12, and there's several other references too, um, but it says here, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as, to sh- as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. So we're called to suffer Christ, to share in Christ's sufferings here, and that it is um, a test, a test of our faith. And, and one way I like to think about this is, is it tests our faith for ourselves. I think God probably knows the state of our faith, the strength of our faith. It's a demonstration for ourselves. Where are we in our faith? Um, you know, how strong is our faith? And so we will go through this. And you also need to think of it's, it's refining. It's refining us. It's helping to burn off the dross and, and make us more pure for, for the sake of, of God, for his, uh, for his service. So we're not free from suffering and we're not free from persecution. So the next one is we're not free from God's judgment of believers. This judgment that he has, and I'm going to talk about in a future episode about the believer's rewards, but this is judgment for us. It's not the same as the the great white throne judgment where unbelievers are sent um, into um, the lake of fire. This is, this is judging us on our behavior here in this life and to give us rewards based on how we have served Christ and been faithful to him based on what he's told us to do, what his instructions are, and what he's given us to work with, the gifts that he's given us. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what we have done, whether good or bad. And then Romans in chapter 14 says, Why do you pass judgment on your brother or sister? Or you, why do you despise your brother or sister? For we all stand before the judgment seat of God. It also says in this chapter, Who are you to judge another servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand for God is able to make him to stand. We'll talk about that here again in a minute. But we'll all have to stand before the judgment seat of God. If anyone's work is burned, they will suffer loss, but they themselves will be saved, yet, yet so as through fire. That's in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 15, where when we, you know, when we die, the work we have in this life, some of it's going to be burned up, the, woods, the wood, hay, and stubble, that stuff that was not done for God. It's going to get burned up. And, we'll, and for those of us who are not serving God and, and being obedient to him in this life, it's going to be burned up and, and we'll be saved as if through fire. And that's, that's all we'll have. But for those of us who are being obedient and, and being diligent and, and working out our faith with um, fear and trembling, there is a reward that Christ is going to bestow upon us. And, and I'm going to go into more detail in, in a future episode on that. 
Um, when we turn to Matthew chapter 16, verse 27, it says, For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what he has done. Very straightforward here. It says Jesus is going to, it's going to reward each one of us based on what we've done. And then you also have to consider there's a parable of the talents when Christ um, talks as of rewarding his servants. And uh, ch- uh, chapter 25, verse 20, 23 here says, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And this is part of my motivation for, for this podcast is to encourage each one of us to be a good and faithful servant because I want you to hear from our Lord and Savior, from, from our master, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. And I'm hoping these things that I share with you throughout through these episodes will help you understand, better understand Jesus' will for our lives so that, that we can be obedient to him. So that we're not free from his judgment of believers re- resulting in rewards or not. Then the next one is, we're not free from following God's precepts, statutes, and the law. Anyway, wait a second, I'm not under the law anymore. Well, that's true, but in one way, in one sense. We are free from being under the curse of the law, being under the law. But, you know, we have to ask, are we free from following the precepts that, that are set out in the law? You know, Christ fulfilled the law. He came to fulfill the law. So what, what does that mean? So it means, first of all, that he kept it perfectly. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that, that what it says in there, the way that, that, that we're supposed to behave goes away. And then the second thing is he fulfilled the prophetic aspects of it. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 and 18, it says here, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter nor the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. And then in Romans chapter 8, verse 3, Paul says here, For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own Son the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So Christ came and he perfectly fulfilled the law like no, not a single one of us could do. He did it for us and he was that perfect sacrifice that was given on our behalf to pay for the price for our sins. But here when it says you walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So if we're walking according to the Spirit, you know, do, do you think we'll be fulfilling the law because we're walking according to the Spirit? The scriptures tell us that Christ respects the law. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 19, it says, Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. And then also, when you read the, the Sermon on the Mount in, in the book of Matthew, and uh, it, it, you, you listen to how Jesus talks about sin and he sets a higher standard than what the law than what the law says. So this is a higher standard for us as his as his servants as as his uh, followers. So keep that in mind. Go back and read the Sermon on the Mount and see how 
his standard is, is much higher than what was set in the law. Sometimes freedom is confused with, well, maybe, maybe I can just keep on, I can sin now. I'm, I'm not under the law anymore. But the, the law reflects what God thinks is good. And good behavior for for us as as his as his creation, so we're not to go on sinning. Just you know, God, Christ has set us free, but that doesn't mean we can now sin. And the law tells us what sin is. So Romans chapter six verse one: What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? He's telling us to stop sinning to stop wallowing in, in the mire of sin and be righteous. And then further, further on down in, in verse 15, Paul says, What then? Are we to sin because we are not under law but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, which we are to Christ, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, because remember we were slaves of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. So we're now slaves of obedience to Jesus Christ. And that leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. So now we're slaves of obedience and slaves of righteousness. Slaves of Jesus Christ. So we're not to sin. So we're still going to follow those things of the moral aspects of the law those things where we love god and and love our neighbor and that that leads me to the question you know okay if we're not under the law what informs us as to what sin is you know what are we to be obedient to well first of all the law is not sin in romans chapter 7 uh in verse 7 it says what what then shall we say that the law is sin by no means yet if it had not been for the law i would not have known sin for I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had not said, you shall not covet. So the law does still inform us as to what sin is. And then further down in verse 12, it says, So the law is holy, and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. And therefore, we're to delight in God's law. Continuing down to verse 21 in, in Romans chapter 7, Paul says, So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being. But I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. We still have this fight within us. We still have this the flesh and the sin that our flesh wants us to, to commit. So it's, so we have, to, we have this conflict within us. And, and Paul, it comes out, Paul <laughs> says it quite plainly here, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. So he, the point I want to make here is he delights in the law of God and, and we need to keep it, have the Holy Spirit working within us so that we conform to his moral law so we can be righteous. And then I encourage you to go um, and read through Psalm 119, um, the longest psalm in the, uh, in the Bible, and, and how it keeps talking about the law, the, God's law, God's precepts, God's statutes over and over again. 
And that should be an encouragement for us to continue to follow those commandments that he gives us in the law. We uphold the law. Romans chapter 3, verse 28, For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. So if the works of the law don't justify us, what, what then does? Well, Romans chapter 4 goes on to describe how Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And, um, and Abraham was fully convinced that God was able to do what he promised. In Romans chapter 3, verses 21 through 26, it describes what we are to believe by faith. And then in verse 31 of Romans chapter 3, do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. We have faith in what God is telling us. We believe that what God is telling us and how we should behave is right, is good, is perfect, is, is righteous. So then we uphold it through our behavior. We uphold the law. We're not justified by following the law. Christ, we're justified through, through believing in Christ and the sacrifice he made for us. You know, we're, we're by the faith that we have in Jesus Christ. So we're, we don't have to, we're not saved by works. We're not saved by upholding law. But now that we are saved by Jesus Christ, faith in him, we should be following the, the law. We should be upholding it with the conduct in, of our lives. And in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 16, we should not be using um, our freedom as a cover-up for evil. Um, here he's talking about human institutions and us to be subject to them. Um, and it says, Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence in it the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God honor the emperor. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. If we're living as servants of God in the societies that we find ourselves, we are not, we're not committing evil acts. We should be pursuing righteousness based on what God has told us in the Bible. So we uphold the law. We follow God's precepts, statutes, and, and, uh, and his law. So are we free from Christ's lordship? This is something that when, when I look at America and freedom and liberty and I see what's going on, sometimes I think of it's, it, the freedom that's being, just, uh, being exhibited here is freedom from God, freedom from, from Christ's lordship. Just do whatever you want as as Christians, that's not the case. We are not free from Christ's lordship. We should be confessing with our mouths that Christ is our Lord and Savior. He is Lord and we do what he says. So freedom doesn't now mean, oh, well, I've been freed from Satan and sin. And, well, I, I don't have to do what Christ says either. <laughs> if, if that's your attitude, you probably haven't been freed from Satan and sin yet. He, he is now our new Lord. And, and we are to be obedient to him. So we're no longer slaves of sin, but now we're slaves of Christ and righteousness. I read about that just a minute ago. Slaves of righteousness, slaves of obedience. 
1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You hearing this? You are not your own, for you are bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Be righteous. Be holy, for he is holy. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 9. Bond servants, or slaves, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart, as you would Christ, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants, or slaves, of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as, the Lord and, as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bondservant, a slave, or free. So here we are to act as who we are, bondservants or slaves of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And we know that whatever, listen, we know that whatever good we do, we will receive back from the Lord. So we are serving those around us as if we are serving Jesus Christ, our Lord, and he will reward us for that. Romans chapter 6, verse 16. Do you not know that if you present your members to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, either sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and having been set free from sin, having become slaves of righteousness. Once again, the slaves of obedience and the slaves of righteousness, which is Jesus Christ. You might ask, well, how are we free if, if we're now slaves of Christ? It's a different way of thinking. You're free from sin and Satan, and now we have Christ Jesus as our, as our Lord. You need to consider who he is. And, and who we are servants of. This is not the terrible taskmaster of Satan who wants you to sin and, and end up with him in the lake of fire at the end of time. No. Christ wants you to be with him, and he sacrificed himself for you, saving you from God's wrath and being in the lake of fire for eternity. He is described as the good shepherd. He is the good shepherd. And if you're going to be a servant of someone, you want to be a servant of this, this man here, the good shepherd. It's better to be a slave of obedience and righteousness of Jesus Christ than it is of sin, having Satan as your father. Moving on to the next one. We're not free to judge a brother on how they worship and serve God. Romans chapter 14, I want to read all of verse 1 through 12 to make sure we get the context here. But this is, this is very important because I think we can all find ourselves being judgmental based on, on, on our upbringing. Uh, it could be denominational. You know, you look, in, you look over at somebody else and they're worshiping God differently and you, you want to judge them. And, and, and we're explicitly told not to do that. I mean, if it violates something that God has said don't do, then that's another thing entirely. But you know, if in their lives they what they eat, what they celebrate, things like that, and they they are worshiping God in that manner, we're told not to judge them. So I'm going to read through this. 
As for one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may, he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord's, Lord is able to make him stand. Who are you to pass judgment on another servant, on the servant of another? This is a very stark warning to us that it's between him and God or her and God. It's not, it's not your place to be judging them. One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself. Did you hear that? None of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. So this is similar to we don't have to take vengeance on others because God's got it. We don't have to judge others for the way they worship God because it's between them and God. It's not for us to say. And I'll say again, if it's something that goes against the word of God, it's a, a form of worship that's satanic, you know, a, a demonic, whatever it is, that's different. That's different. But if somebody's eating something or not eating something because they believe they're, they're worshiping God and pleasing the Lord and they're fully convinced of it, that's, with, that's between them and God. If they're observing one holiday and, and, and somebody else doesn't, but they are both fully convinced that they're honoring God that way and pleasing Him. This is between them and God. So we're not free to judge our brothers the way they, they um, serve and, and worship God. Okay. Don't forget that there's still church discipline for those members who sin against others in the church. They're unrepentant about it. Go through that process that Christ explicitly laid out. And of course, we're, we're warned to watch out for false teachers because you know we're not we're not free to pervert. Um, you know, the word of God. And there's explicit warnings in, 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 the, in the scriptures about false teachers. All right, the next one. We're not free to cause a brother or sister to stumble because of our conduct. So here it's saying our freedom and liberty in Christ is actually constrained. Here's an example of food offered to idols. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 9 through 13. Be careful, however, that the exercise of your rights does not become a stumbling block to the weak. For if someone with a weak conscience sees you with all your knowledge eating in an idol's temple, won't that person be emboldened to eat what is sacrificed to idols? So this weak brother or sister for what Christ died, for, sorry, for whom Christ died is destroyed by your knowledge. When you sin against them in this way and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if what I eat causes my brother or sister to fall into sin, I will never eat meat again so that I will not cause them to fall. So Paul here is, is pointing out the fact that we need to be cognizant of 
our actions around fellow brothers and sisters in Christ and, and how how they are impacted by them. Because if what we do, even though you know we are fully authorized, if you will, we have full right to do it, it's not a sin by God, but it causes our brother or sister to sin, then we have to constrain our liberty in Christ or constrain our freedom in Christ and not enjoy that right or that freedom because it's going to cause the other believer to sin because Christ died for them. And then when you read in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, the next chapter, Paul surrenders his rights because of, of, of this very issue. Am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are not you my workmanship in the Lord? If to others I am not an apostle, at least I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. This is my defense to those who would examine me. Do we not have the right to eat and drink? Do we not have the right to take along a believing wife, as do the other apostles and the brothers of the Lord and Cephas? Or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working for a living? Who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard without eating any of its fruit? Or who, who tends a flock without getting some of the milk? Do I say these things on human authority? Does not the law say the same? For it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. So it can eat some of the grain it's treading. Is it, is it for oxen that God is concerned? Does he, does he not certainly speak for our sake? It was written for our sake because the plowman should plow in hope and the thresher thresh in hope of sharing in the crop. If we have sown spiritual things among you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? If others share this rightful claim on you, do not we even more? Nevertheless, we have not made use of this right, but we endure anything rather than put up an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. So here he's surrendering his right to receive something back from, from preaching the gospel message because he doesn't want to put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. Do you not know that those who are employed in the temple service get their food from the temple and those who serve at the altar share in the sacrificial offerings? In the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. And that's, that's why you know, we pay our pastors today. But I have, and, and you know, care for them. But I have made no use of any of these rights, nor am I writing these things to secure any provision. For I would rather die than have anyone deprive me of my ground for boasting. For if I preach the gospel, that gives me no ground for boasting. For necessity is laid upon me. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. For, I, for if I do this of my own will, I have a reward. But if not of my own will, I am still entrusted with a stewardship. What then is my reward? That in my preaching I may pr present the gospel free of charge, so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel. Here he is again. I'm I'm surrendering this right that I have, for the sake of the gospel. For though I am free from all, talking about his freedom, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. That's what God tells us to do. We must be a servant in this life, just like His Son. To the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, because he was saved by Jesus Christ, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. 
I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. So he's being all things all people, surrendering some of his freedoms, his rights, so that some of these people can be saved. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. Talking about believers' rewards. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. But I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. And this is another motivation I have for this podcast, is to help each one of you run the race set before you. Romans chapter 14 verses uh, 13 through 15, or sorry, four, let me start that one over. Romans chapter 14, starting in verse 13, going through chapter 15 and ending in verse 2, talks about passing judgment. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make, your, make up your own mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. So we need to stop passing judgment and we need to make sure that our behavior, our freedoms, don't put a stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. I am convinced, being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus, that nothing is unclean in itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for what that person, then for that person it is unclean. If your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not, by your eating, destroy someone for whom Christ died. So it goes back to constraining our freedom. Everything is clean that we can eat, but if by eating it, it's going to destroy a brother or sister, we should refrain from doing so. Therefore, do not let what you know is good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness. It's not a matter of eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean, but it is wrong for a person to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or to do anything else that will cause your brother or sister to fall. Let me read that one again. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else that will cause your brother or sister to fall. So whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if they eat because their eating is not from faith. And and everything that does not come from faith is sin. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good to build them up. So it goes back to loving our neighbor, loving our brother and sister in Christ. We should bear with the failings of the weak. And so we restrain our, our freedoms in Christ and we, we neglect pleasing ourselves for the sake of our brothers and sisters so they may not fall. So please remember that. So back to what I was saying, we're not free to cause our brother or sister to stumble because of our conduct and because of, of our freedom in Christ. So we need to be very cognizant of that and, and be willing to give up some of that freedom we have for their sake. Because it's, a, it's about eternity. It's about Christ. 
It's about God, and it's not about what we eat or drink at the end of the day. And, and Christ will reward you for that. Remember, that's very important. You know, our obedience to what he says here, we'll be rewarded for. So for the time, it might be like, well, why can't I drink wine or eat whatever, eat meat, you know, and, and be upset about it? Well, if it's going to harm a brother or sister in Christ, you know by abstaining from it while with them that you'll be rewarded. And finally, the last thing I want to say, are we free to compromise? Are we free to compromise the truth? And that's a resounding no. The truth set you free. Are you not going to compromise it? Christ is truth. So we can't be mealy-mouthed. We can't compromise this truth that he has given us. We have to speak it plainly to others and speak it as it is. It's God's word. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It, it, it's going to have effect. It's powerful. So we need to trust it. We need to trust God that it will have the effect that he intends because it's living. It's living and active and it works in people. So we cannot compromise this truth that, that we have received from God. All right. So freedom, back to, you know, all right, well, we can do whatever we want. Um, you know, it's, we can, we can be free and, and you know, <laughs> just, just act however we want. Let's look at it from a different perspective. I just looked at it from a very individual, what God is telling us that, that we're not free to do. You know, we still need to be obedient to Christ. Um, when you when you do a reading when you when you read the letters in Revelation to the churches, clearly those churches are not not acting in accordance with Christ's will and His desire for them. Um, there's a lot of correction and admonishment in those letters, so churches aren't aren't free to do whatever they want either. Like in the letter to uh, the church of Ephesus. We're not free to abandon our first love, which I would interpret as God, the first love, love God. It sounds like they have abandoned their first love for God and Christ. The letter to the church of Pergamum. We're not allowed to hold the teaching of Balaam and the Nicolaitans. So false teaching. We're not, we're not allowed to hold that sort of teaching. To the church of Thyatira, we're not to tolerate false prophets you know, or false teachers. We're not to tolerate learning the deep things of Satan, practicing sexual immorality, or eating food sacrificed to idols. The church to Sardis, they were dead. And, they, and not having completed the works in the sight of God. And then the church of Laodicea, we're not to be lukewarm and say things like, I am rich, I have prospered, I need nothing. So Christ, there are standards and there, there are expectations of us that Christ places on us that we are still to adhere to. So freedom in Christ, we have to remember that the freedom, he has set us free from slavery to sin. He has set us free from having Satan as our father. He has set us free from God's wrath and eternity in the lake of fire, eternal punishment. We need to rejoice and praise God for that. And we have to understand that we are still, we have a war within us between the flesh, which still has that sinful nature, and, and our spirit, which we have the Holy Spirit in us and, and wants righteousness. So we always have to be pursuing righteousness, which we are taught by Christ in the Bible, through the scriptures and the law. How do we be righteous? So 
we are free from sin and and now we are free to pursue righteousness we're free to love god we're free to love our neighbor that's what this means it doesn't mean that we're just free to do whatever we want if you're a child of god if if you've been saved by jesus christ you want to pursue righteousness that is what you want to do now so that that concludes part two of freedom in christ second of of two parts so the first part again was what are we free from and free to do? And then this one was focused mostly on what are we not free from to try to clarify what freedom in Christ means. The truth has set us free. Christ has set us free. So I, I pray that, that God richly blesses you, that, that he helps you to be obedient and helps you to work out your salvation with fear and trembling because we we do sit before him at the end and we receive our rewards and through this i i am hoping i am helping you run this race in this life we must focus on our lord and savior we must focus on the finish line and we must run well because at the finish line you want to hear well done my good and faithful servant enter into the joy of your master. So we must be obedient to Christ. And I hope, I hope this teaching helps you to be obedient to our master, our master Jesus Christ. So may the Lord richly bless you. And uh, until next time.